Hello and welcome to Local and Vocal, a Green Bay Area podcast. I'm your host, Terry Lee. On the show, we'll be catching up with Representative Christina Shelton. She represents most of the city of Green Bay for the 90th Assembly District. The state legislature is in session right now in Madison. Representative Shelton, welcome to Local and Vocal. Thank you for having me. This is your second two-year term representing Green Bay, having won re-election in November 2022. Uh, Share a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so just started my second term representing the 90th Assembly District in the state legislature and the state assembly. Um, I'm a mom. I've got two kids in the Green Bay School District, so uh, they keep me busy. I've got a a freshman over at East and a sixth grader. Um, And, uh, you know, I I come up through um, education. I was a teacher, K-12 in higher ed, uh, health and physical education. Um, Did a lot of organizing and um, was elected to the school board prior to serving in the state assembly. So um, I have a lot of passion, especially about public education, which I know we're going to talk about tonight. But uh, ran in 2020 to serve the wonderful people of this district. It's an honor to be able to serve them every day and um, be their voice in Madison. And uh, they reelected me back in November to, to keep me in the position. So uh, we have a lot of priorities to work on in the legislature this year, a lot of great opportunities to invest in working people. So uh, it's an exciting time to be in the legislature, but certainly a lot of work. While serving as a representative of the people, what do you try to keep in mind always? You know, there's so many competing priorities, um, but what I try to do is really continue to tap into the voices of everyday working people in in this district and across Wisconsin. Um, They inspire me. You know, there are times where it feels really tough, where, you know, change may be slow um, or or not deep enough or not big enough. Um, And, you know, working people are are begging us to to radically improve their lives. Um, People are working two, three jobs. Uh, they're facing um, increased housing costs, uh, challenges with public transportation, unclean water, uh, defunding of our public schools, um, a lack of union rights. So I try to keep the priorities of the people that I serve uh, at the forefront of everything that I do. It's not about me. It's not about my ego or my agenda. It's about them. And um, so when I go to Madison, I'm their voice, and I, I never take that for granted. Change never seems to come fast enough. Isn't that the truth? Isn't that the truth? You know, it's funny. I have to just tell you this story. I, when I feel frustrated about time and change, I, I'm reminded of this time a couple years ago. I was um, invited to go speak with some social work students at UWGB, and they were doing this reading about change and, and organizing. And the reading basically said, you know, if you're going to do this work over the long term, you have to remove yourself from the element of time because change happens all around us, right? It's not linear. It doesn't happen just in this progressive way that we think about it. It happens up, down, left, right, in all dimensions. And so it sort of freed me from thinking that I'm going to necessarily see the fruits of my labor and the fruits of our work, but I have to trust that it will happen and it's happening all around us. The legislature is in session right now and working on the biennial state budget. Democratic Governor Tony Evers recently addressed the legislature outlining his budget priorities for the next two years. We have not seen the details of that yet, but um, over the last six months, agencies and offices have been working closely with the uh, the governor to make sure that their priorities get put into the budget and that we can have our our voices heard. Um, We did hear a little bit about uh, the budget a few weeks ago at the State of the State Address. Uh, The governor called it the year of mental health. He talked a lot about PFOS and water contamination. Um, He spoke a lot about our public schools and our teachers and kids. 
Um, and so he sort of outlined his priorities there. So as Democrats, we're excited to, to hear more about his budget. We'll be spending the next, you know, three, four months sort of getting out in community and really talking to people and selling the budget to the people um, and the aspects of the budget that he, he's uplifting. Um, what we saw the last time was Republicans usually come in. They, you know, they basically scrap the whole thing and they rewrite it, um, you know, I did not vote for the budget the last time. We'll see what happens this year. Um, there is an exceptional opportunity right now with the budget surplus, what the state is sitting on. You know, we just never see this type of revenue in surplus. So uh, you, what I have been talking about is we need to get that money back into the pockets of working people. This is such an important time to uh, fund our public schools. You know, the Green Bay Public School is, is facing a $36 million budget deficit after 2024. Um, you, there are people and institutions in crisis, and um, the the point of government is to to work for the people. It is made of us, and so it's it's our job to make sure that that happens. And uh, we're going to fight like hell to make sure it, it does. In Wisconsin, the legislature makes most of the decisions about what's going to be included in the budget. You are in a gerrymandered Democratic minority in the legislature. Republicans are in control of the legislature. What challenges does that bring with the budget, amendments, or even passing bills? Man, it, it's it's. Uh, I have to say thank you first to the Fair Maps Coalition and all the people that have been working on this issue for the past 10 years. Um, they've really done a, a fantastic job building political education and awareness and advocacy, helping people to understand what gerrymandering is. Um, and it's, it's one of the most perverse aspects of our current political system in the state of Wisconsin right now. I mean, it just, it impacts everything that we do. I mean, from uh, the ability to hold our elected officials accountable at the ballot box, you know, we have, we have folks that are in these packed districts, um, you know, with a 20, 30 point advantage, um, where it's almost statistically impossible to, to get rid of them. And, and, you know, you hate to say in electoral politics that it's impossible, but when you look at the effort that it takes, um, it really is demoralizing for communities. And it, I think it sort of creates this feeling of hopelessness and helplessness. Um, but addition, in addition to that, it, it allows us a, a political system where you have people who have been elected to serve that don't actually have to serve the will of the people and they can maintain and keep their jobs. Um, and so we have um, members in our legislature that refuse to take up things like the Medicaid expansion, right, which every so many states around the country have done would bring in, you know, I think it's like one point six billion dollars insure a hundred thousand Wisconsinites. Um Things like fully funded public schools that people overwhelmingly care about, uh, marijuana legalization, um, union rights—I mean, you name it—PFAS contamination. So, um, it it is it is difficult, um, but it's our job to get out and continue to inspire people and paint a progressive vision for Wisconsin and and let them know that um, you know uh, politics is hard, but the only way is is forward. The economy is doing well nationally and in the state. Wisconsin's projected state budget surplus is forecast to be over $7 billion by this summer. What are your thoughts on what should happen with that very large surplus? So I was just appointed to be the ranking Democrat on the Assembly um, Committee for Education. So 
education and public education is my top priority going into this this year. Um, the funding formula for our public education, uh, our pu- public schools is broken. Um, we see uh, revenue limits that are not meeting the needs and allowing districts to meet the needs of their 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 kids and their teachers. Uh, teachers are burnt out and, and leaving the profession. So there's a, a real crisis there with um, retention and recruitment of teachers. Um, and, and kids have such incredible needs. I mean, coming out of the COVID-19 pandemic, um, families facing homelessness. We have hundreds of kids here in the Green Bay Public School that um, district that are uh, homeless on any given day. And so um, that funding formula is going to be really important, uh, fighting for additional per-pupil funding. Um, some of the advocacy groups right now are advocating for us to go from where we are now, I think it's $972 per pupil to $1,500 per pupil. That's, that's a, a, yeah, I mean, that's a significant increase. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, um, our public schools are community hubs. They are a place where we come in and, and we gather and we we educate our students, but more broadly, we, we take care of each other there. And if we don't invest in our public schools, um, we're not investing in our future. Um, one other thing I want to say about this, Terry, that's it's really appalling is the expansion of our voucher schools. Um, you know, this is a way that um, Republicans have basically rigged the system to send our public money into private parochial, parochial schools without any transparency or accountability. Um, the Green Bay Public Schools uh, last year sent $8 million of our taxpayers to the voucher program. Um, so it's really important that we talk about this um, because, you know, as, as folks are fresh frustrated about, um, you know, sort of the struggles of public districts, those struggles are manufactured by a starving of resources within the system itself. And and, in this fake belief that we can fund two systems when we're funding, uh, we're we're moving more money into that uh, private school system. This last fall, dozens of school districts across the state went to their local residents to get more money for their schools. Many of these were operating referendums just to keep education going at a level it is now. Those referendums totaled nearly $3 billion. State funding and restrictive revenue limits play a big role in funding schools. Are we ever going to fully fund our schools? You know, you have to, you have to, you have to fight for the, you have to fight for the vision, you know, knowing that again, it it may extend beyond my time in the legislature, but it's what's right for kids. It's what's right for families. Um, And, you know, time and time again, the the taxpayer and the voter, they're they're approving these referendums because they know their kids and their teachers and their schools deserve more. Um, So again, overwhelming support for these. You know, I want to also mention another important bill that uh, my office has authored, and that's the Healthy School Meals for All bill. This is a bill that would have extended those waivers from the USDA from the pandemic that allowed districts to serve every kid breakfast and lunch every day in Wisconsin, every school uh, for free at no charge. And we built a coalition around this bill uh, that meets monthly that um, now has over 150 members. In fact, we have a new report coming out uh, just today, and we're going to have a a presser in a couple weeks around um, the job market for food service workers, looking at wages, benefits, and working conditions, and really pushing on this idea that to revolutionize school meals, you have to revolutionize um, the food, uh, the working conditions for food service workers. So we are, um, we're really putting a strong plan in place to connect public schools to economic security and jobs in the economy. Revenue caps are one of the biggest things preventing schools from doing what they need to do for their students. 
Is there any talk about changing the state's funding formula for public schools? You know, he had something called the Blue Ribbon Commission a few years ago, and a colleague of mine, who Representative Joel Kitchens, who represents uh, Door County, who is a chair um, on education, so he and I will be working closely together. He was the chair of the Blue Ribbon Commission, and they came together in a bi- bipartisan way. Uh, our former superintendent here in Green Bay, um, Michelle Langenfeld, was on that commission, and they came up with a number of recommendations um, to increase funding for special education and look at that per-pupil funding. Um, And to date, really none of those recommendations have been taken up. So we know what to do. We just have a Republican-controlled legislature that doesn't have the political will to take action on the common-sense steps that have been outlined in front of them. Wisconsin was one of a handful of states where access to safe and legal abortion stopped completely following the overturning of Roe v. Wade, the Dobbs decision, as it has become known as. That's because in Wisconsin, we had a law on the books from 1849 that outlaws abortion. This law was passed before women could vote and even before modern medicine. Is there any talk among lawmakers on repealing that law? You know, it's 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 um, devastating. It's women will die. Um, families are being crushed. You know, we hear these horrifying stories of um, women going to the doctor, having a miscarriage, and being unable to access the care that they need. So, um, you know, I just reflect back back on the day. I still get emotional thinking about it. Um, when that when the final news came out, um, you know, I think there was just a need for all of us to get together and take care of each other, right? To to sort of cry, to be uh, frustrated, to be angry, um, and to just sit with one another and and recognize the the humanity behind um, our existence, you know, um, and to 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 be witness to something that I think a lot of us never thought would happen. So I think, you know, since then, uh, you know, we're, we're, we are resilient uh, and, and strong, but it did take some of us some time to get together. But um, the fight will continue for Wisconsin women and people who uh, birth. And um, it, it really has to be at the forefront of everything we do. Um, women who are forced to carry babies and pregnancies are, are not equal to, to, their, to men. And until we have control over our bodies, um, you know, there's a lot on the line for us, and it's uh, it's de- it's been devastating. I was disappointed to hear. I think President Biden only mentioned abortion once during his recent State of the Nation address. Do you think the issue of abortion is now just a political football again? You know, I have to say, um, in terms of Wisconsin Democrats, I was really proud of us and how we um, talked about abortion um, and women's um, health care rights in the last election cycle. You know, we have heard um, over and over again in previous years, you know, don't talk about abortion, right? It's a, it's a galvanizing issue. It's a divisive issue. It's something that's too hard to talk about. Just don't talk about it. And, you know, it forced us um, when this happened to, to talk. And I was proud to see people who have previously struggled to talk about it really dig in and learn about it and really hone in on that unifying message. And so, you know, I don't know what uh, national Democrats are going to do. I don't know what uh, President Biden's going to do, but Wisconsin Democrats are going to continue to make this a top priority for us. And uh, anyone who lets it slip, they'll get reminded of where it is in our priorities. Two people who live in my household live with a mental illness and a mental disorder, depression and ADHD. Democratic Governor Tony Evers declared 2023 the year of mental health 
and included half a billion dollars in his budget proposal for programs. What can the state be doing to better address this issue locally and in our community? Well, I'll tell you what we can, I'll start off by saying what we can do locally here, and that is we can support uh, all members of our community, including the LGBTQ plus community, by being proud to put up the, the pride flag to recognize our diversity um, as a strength and to celebrate one another. Because, you know, you look at um, mental health, uh, especially within our most marginalized communities, um, you know, the words and the cues um, and the actions of our locally elected officials matter. Um, and, uh, you know, what we say in our places of worship and our places of work matter. And, um, I was really proud of Mayor Genrick for flying that pride flag, um, and the organizing that we've done, because I think that's one aspect of it is, you know, what does this community tell you about whether you belong or not? Um, but you know, look, I mean, mental health is a part of everything and, and the connectedness that a lot of us lost during COVID is residual, um, but there's still so much that we can do. I mean, in, investments in health care. Um, you know, I, put, I authored a, a bill, um, the Badger Care Public Option Bill, that would allow small businesses to buy into Badger Care and other folks to buy into, you know, the Badger Care system. Um, but again, investing in, you know, good paying jobs and in green spaces and in transportation, um, ensuring that we have enough uh, mental health therapists and counselors that we're expediting those licensures and that we're helping people go into that field. When I think about mental health, I think about it as like the whole person and the whole community because it connects to everything. Um, and when we divest from community, it's not a surprise that so many of us then um, uh, we see a decline in our mental health and in our connectedness, not only to ourselves, but into our friends and family. Legalization of weed. Every other state touching Wisconsin has legalized cannabis in some form. Assembly Speaker Robin Voss recently said we're not that close on even legalizing medical marijuana, let alone recreational use. Is Wisconsin ever going to join the 21st century? I mean, century give, me a, give me a break, right? Give me, give me a friggin' break, Robin Voss. I mean, we, we could do it today. And the majority, I mean, this goes back to the gerrymandering, right? I mean, this goes back to where we are politically, uh, money and politics and, and power and ego. Uh, the majority of Wisconsinites overwhelmingly want us to do something on medical. Yeah. They overwhelmingly want us to do something in full legalization. And look, you know, people who say, well, I have concerns. They say, okay, that's great. Let's look at what other states are doing or not doing well. Let's learn from them. Let's create our own system. But people are using cannabis. They are driving to Michigan. They're driving to Minnesota. They're driving to Illinois. They're taking our tax dollars out of state. Uh, we could be bringing in, it's like over $160 million a year in tax revenue if we were to legalize it. And that would be additional money we could put back into our communities. Um, you know, so, you know, as uh, Senator Agard says, and I love that she says, it's the most dangerous thing about marijuana is that it's illegal. Um, we need to move with the times. Uh, people overwhelmingly agree and are using it. And, uh, you know, it's going to happen. It will happen, Terry. I just don't know when. You are going back and forth between Green Bay and Madison. This legislative session runs until when? Yeah, so the budget process will go through June. Um, sometimes we recess in the summer. We'll come back, get back out of the fall, and then we usually wrap up, you know, in March of the following year, and then we go into another election cycle. So, it's it happens pretty quickly. It's being like, you know, uh, shot out of a cannon, you know, through the sky and you're trying to, you know, find your footing. Um, my hope this year is that the Democratic caucus in both the uh, Senate and the Assembly uh, really find a unified vision um, and a strong voice in how we're going to organize. Um, 
due to the gerrymandering crisis, you know, I think there's been a real shift recently from a traditional model of legislating, right, where people see their success and divine, define success by passing bills, you know, and, and unfortunately for those of us there, I mean, we're not even able to get bills to a hearing. Last session, my freshman term, I think we had seven bills in the, in the, uh, in the uh, Dem authored assemb- assembly bills, seven of them got a hearing, and I think we authored something like 350. Um, so my, my hope is to get us out of that building, and into community and see our roles as organizers, uh, as messengers, to really build uh, up community and show people that it's the Democrats that are fighting for them, um, that are fighting for working people and fighting for things they care about. Um, and I'm really excited about our members. You know, uh, Greta Neubauer, she's, uh, you know, our minority leader. She's fantastic. Our leadership team is new. We have some incredible freshmen that were just elected uh, this last election cycle. Um, and the cycle that I was in, you know, 10 new people. So over two-thirds of the Assembly Democratic Caucus is is young and new. Um, so we have a lot of energy. And um, we're looking to lean on each other and take care of one each other and really think and dream big. Um, and I hope we continue to focus on the message of um, economic justice uh, because you can build any issue off of that. And those are the things that people really feel in their pockets um, and in their homes. I have been hearing more and more about moving to a flat tax in Wisconsin. What are Republicans pitching to change and how does this affect many working families? Yeah. So what it means, Terry, is that uh, millionaires and billionaires will have a massive tax cut um, and you'll be paying for it. So that's essentially what it means. It's a tax giveaway to the people who already have so much money that they don't even know what to do with it uh, and putting it on the backs of working people and the working poor. Um, So, you know, it's an unsustainable tax plan. Um, You know, the governor has put forward um, a really strong plan to cut taxes for low to middle earners that I think is really strong. Um, So we, you know, the Republicans love to sell it as it's it's fair. It's fair if everybody gets the same. Uh, But, you know, millionaires and billionaires need to pay more. Um, and do their fair share of upholding the American dream. And uh, <laughs> it's, um, you know, wow, one of the biggest giveaways to the to corporations and the wealthy that I've ever seen in recent history. Anything else you'd like to talk about today? You know, I think people just need to um, stay engaged, reach out to our office if they have any questions. You know, our office um, does a, a ton of constituent work. People call us about unemployment benefits, questions um, on their tax, you know, their tax bill, um, questions around licensing and, you know, other issues. And, and some of the things are things that we can't actually do, but we always help people find the information that they need. So we're encouraging people to follow us on our newsletter, to check us out on our website, to reach out to us. Um, if folks in the community want to get to know me better and reach out for coffee, I love meeting with people one-on-one. Um, I want people to know that I'm a community member just like them. You know, I, I didn't grow up in politics. I find myself here, um, but I've got kids. I'm their neighbor. I'm a mom just like everybody else, and I'm just trying to do my best. So um, I love to stay connected to people and would just encourage them to reach out if, if there's something that I can be doing better or if there's something I need to know about. Representative Shelton, thank you for joining us. Stay up to date with Representative Christina Shelton's office. In the show notes, you'll find a link to sign up for a newsletter from her office and other contact information. That's our show. Please help get the word out about Local and Vocal, a Green Bay Area podcast. This show is focused on our community and will explore local news and topics that come up. 
We're going to have some great discussions, take a deeper dive into issues, and get to know interesting people that live and work in our community. If you have a story to share or an idea for the show, please email us at localandvocalgreenbay at gmail.com. Make sure you follow and subscribe to Local and Vocal wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, follow us on Facebook. Our music is from the local band, The Dirty Martinis. Thank you to our producer, Lauren Prince. My name is Terry Lee, and this is Local and Vocal, a Green Bay Area podcast. <laughs>